Are you sitting comfortably? Then we'll begin. And now, shining the spotlight on the future of hockey, the World Juniors. This is Brad Lambert from Team Finland. I'm Oscar Olesen from Team Sweden. Hey, this is Dylan Grand. Hi, I'm Lane Hudson from the U.S. National Team. Dion Mishak. Fabian Lucell. Cole Perfetti. Hey, it's Jake Sampson. I play for Team USA. Major Junior. Hey, this is Matthew Kachuk of the London Knights. I'm Jonathan Yerudo from the St. John's Sea Dogs. Kirby Dock of the Saskatoon Blades. Hey, it's Alex Dabrinkit from the Erie Otters. Gerald Dubois from the Cape Breton Screen Eagles. It's Zachary LaRue from the Halifax Mooseheads. This is John Gunther of the Emerson Oil Kings. NCAA. Hey, this is Noah Hannafin from Boston College. Hey, it's Troy Terry from the Denver Pioneers. Quinn Hughes from the University of Michigan. This is Brock Faber from the University of Minnesota. It's Dylan Hollis from the Wisconsin Badgers. The NHL Draft. U.S. Lovkovsky from TPS. Hey, this is Kevin Krasinski of the Seattle Thunderbirds. Hey, guys, it's Cutter Goche from the U.S. National Team. Hi, it's Matt Savoy with the Winnipeg Ice. Hey, this is Sarah Manzel from Shaska High School. Nessa Goche, I play for the Quebec Ramparts. This is Ty Nelson from the North Bay Battalion. Hey, it's Dylan James from the Sioux City Musketeers. This is Rieger Lorenz from the Okotoks Oilers. And more. And welcome to the Pipeline Show. And this is the Pipeline Show. The Pipeline Show. Pipeline Show. Pipeline Show. The Pipeline Show. Well, good weekend, everybody, and welcome to another episode of The Pipeline Show. My name is Gee Flaming. Thanks to all of you who are returning listeners. If you're a newcomer, hit me up on Twitter at TPS underscore Gee and let me know where you're listening from, how you, how you found out about the show, and why you decided to download this week's episode. And a shout-out to everyone who has been signing up to be a patron at patreon.com slash Show, getting early access so they can hear all of the uh, content here on a full episode of the Pipeline Show, patrons are able to hear these interviews days before they're released to the general public. And we've got a great show for you today. Really looking forward to uh, sharing these interviews with you. But first, the Pipeline Show brought to you by Wilhock Beef Jerky. That's Alberta's best beef jerky because you can't win friends with salad. Go to wilhockbeefjerky.com. It's spelled W-I-L-H-A-U-K beefjerky.com. You can get it anywhere in Western Canada by going to that website. But if you happen to be in the Edmonton area, there are three locations where you can stop in and pick it up yourself. In Leduc, in Spruce Grove, and in West Edmonton Mall. It's Wilhock Beef Jerky. Let's get right into the uh, news and notes, and we'll go through the scoring leaders uh, throughout uh, all the leagues that we cover here on the Pipeline Show. But we'll start with the CHL's top 10 rankings and a change atop the uh, top 10. There's only one undefeated team left in the Canadian Hockey League. 60 teams and only one of them is still perfect, and as you would expect, oh no, they're not the number one ranked team. Go figure. The Red Deer Rebels are actually ranked number three, despite still having a perfect record. It's the Quebec Remparts who are tied for first place in the Quebec Major Junior Hockey League, but they are in uh, the number one spot on the CHL's top ten. The Winnipeg Ice have dropped down one spot to number two, and then it's the 13-0 and Red Deer Rebels, they uh, set a new league record, a modern franchise record. The last time a team won 13 in a row, it was uh, not the WHL. It was whatever the league was that uh, preceded the Western Hockey League. But the Rebels set that new record here in Edmonton, actually laying a thumping on the Edmonton Oil Kings last Sunday, 7-2. to And doing it without uh, Ben King, who was out six to eight weeks uh, due to injury. And I, I put a... Uh, a poll on Twitter to ask uh, which team in the WHL has the uh, best 20-year-olds, the best trio of 20-year-olds. 
Uh, Red Deer has Ben King, as well as Jace Isley and defenseman Christopher Setoff. The Seattle Thunderbirds have uh, Jared Davidson, Kyle Krinkovic, who they acquired this past summer, and they just picked up the rights to Luke Prokop. Now, he's not with the team yet, but still counts as one of their uh, overagers right now. Or the Winnipeg Ice, who have Connor McLennan, Owen Peterson, who's a little under the radar but can play on my team any day of the week, uh, as well as a defenseman, Ben Zlotti. Uh, Seattle won the vote in the poll. Winnipeg was next in the poll voting. And uh, Red Deer, I, I actually would have leaned towards Red Deer, but I do really like that acquisition of Luke Prokop for Seattle, provided uh, he actually is sent back to the WHL by the National Predators. Right now he's playing in the ECHL for them and is a team worst dash 10 with no points on the year. And that's about uh, six games into the season, I believe it was. Five or six. So I think there's a pretty good chance that he is sent back to Seattle. Continuing on with the CHL's top 10. So it's Quebec, Winnipeg, Red Deer, and then Sherbrooke, who is tied with Quebec in uh, the QMJHL standings. The Seattle Thunderbirds come in at number 5. The Ottawa 67s, who were the last undefeated team in the OHL, they are now number 6, but they're not undefeated anymore. The Windsor Spitfires, Portland Winterhawks, Halifax Mooseheads, and the Saskatoon Blades round out the top 10. Honorable mentions this week go to Kamloops, Moncton, and the Peterborough Peets. Celebrity coaches have been named for the CHL's top prospect game. A bit of a head-scratcher for me. Now, keep in mind it's in Vancouver slash Langley, so that's going to play a big role here in uh, why these uh, personnel are involved. Stan Smeal, Ron DeLorme, who are WHL veterans uh, or alum themselves, that makes a lot of sense. Brent Seabrook and uh, the head coach of the uh, Vancouver Giants, Michael Dick, those all make sense. Daniel and Henrik Sedin are involved in this. I have no idea why other than the fact that they're legendary Vancouver Canucks, but no connection to the CHL at all, so it's a bit odd to me. Like you couldn't have got Trevor Linden, former Medicine Hat Tiger? I don't know. Just a thought. The CHL top prospect game will be held on January 25th. All right, let's get to the scoring leaders in the Western Hockey League. Connor Bedard leads the way, no surprise. 29 points this season with the Regina Pats. Austin Rosta from the Everett Silvertips is next. He's having a terrific season. 25 points for him in 14 games. Cohen Zimmer from the Prince George Cougars is next. He's tied with Connor McLennan of the Winnipeg Ice. They both have 23 points. And Owen Peterson, who I mentioned also with the Ice, has 22 points. Now, if you went point per game, I believe Logan Stankoven, who has 19 points in 8 games, I think he would be number 1. Sliding over to the Ontario Hockey League, an American, Ty Voigt, leading the way. Sarnia's little offensive wizard, he has 30 points this year. And that's just 14 games into the season. Brendan Othman, who's a New York Rangers prospect, he has 23 points. Connor Lockhart of Peterborough with 21. Saginaw defenseman Pavel Mintikov still playing very well, 20 points. And Nolan Burke of the Sarnia Sting has 19 points. Tucker Robertson has uh, 19 as well with the Peterborough Peets. And in the queue, Justin Gill, I believe, just had a hat-trick this week. No, sorry, it wasn't he that had the hat-trick. He had three assists. It was Joshua Owa, his teammate, who had the hat-trick. That was just a couple of days ago against Valdor. So the top five scorers in the queue, it is Justin Gill leading the way with 30 points. Jordan Dumay from the Halifax Mooseheads is next with 28. Max Pellerin of the Tigre from Victoriaville has 25, Alex Doucette of Valdor has 24, and then Joshua Roy from the Sherbrooke Phoenix with 23. 
Top 20 in the CJHL, that's Junior A up in Canada. The Battleford's North Stars remain the number one ranked team, but a big change after that. Collingwood goes from seven up to number two, and the Toronto Junior Canadians climb from six to three. The Brooks Bandits jump from eight to four. The Cobras of Terrebonne, they slip from number three to five. So that's your top five. The uh, six through 20 goes Portage, Steinbach, Humboldt, Princeville, Milton, the Sudbury Cubs, Summerside is 12. Then you've got the Winkler Flyers, Spruce Grove Saints, the St. Jerome Panthers, the Ottawa Junior Senators, the Flin Flom Bombers are at 17, Camrose at 18, Burlington, and Dryden round out your top 20 in the CJHL this week. The USHL still being dominated uh, at top of the scoring race by Canadians. Nick Moldenauer, Toronto Maple Leafs prospect, has 17 points. He's Canadian. So is Jaden Perron and Max Celebrini. They're all Canadian, and they all play for the Chicago Steel. Miko Matika, who is uh, from Finland, plays for the Madison Capitals. He's actually tied with Celebrini, as are five other players. Uh, Kieran Sibrian from Tri-City, Jack Harvey from Chicago, and Mason Marcellus of the Lincoln Stars. They all have 14 points. So it's a tight race, but a lot of Canadians are playing very well in the USHL this season. There's a Canadian leading the North American Hockey League in scoring as well. Christian Catalano from the Maryland Black Bears. He has 26 points. That's four more than the next player, who's Dave Andrichuk. Cade Nielsen has 21, as does Dimitri Kebro and Paul Minahan from the Northeast Generals has 20. The USCHO top 20 poll for the NCAA is out and uh, lots of changes this week. Your new number one team are the Michigan Wolverines, uh, followed by the national champion Denver Pioneers. The Minnesota Golden Gophers are three. St. Cloud is now four. And Massachusetts, one of the only teams that didn't move at all in the top 20 from last week, uh, they still are number five. Minnesota State is six. Then you've got Quinnipiac, Connecticut, Ohio State and North Dakota is number 10. Boston University, Notre Dame, Penn State, Providence, and Harvard is uh, 11 through 15. 16 is Northeastern. Then you've got UMass Lowell. Western Michigan is 18. Minnesota Duluth holds steady at 19. And Bemidji State gets into the top 20. They are ranked number 20. Great matchup uh, this weekend as Michigan takes on Penn State. They are undefeated, the uh, Nittany Lions. They're 8-0, so you might wonder why they're not higher in the rankings. Well, I think a lot of people would argue that they've had a pretty casual schedule thus far. They've uh, played eight games. They're 8-0. They beat Canisius, Mercyhurst, St. Thomas, and uh, Wisconsin, who's a Big Ten team. But really, their calendar fairly light in October. Well, it gets pretty serious for the uh, Nittany Lions now as they've got Michigan this weekend, and they're on the road against the Gophers next weekend. So... Things about to get real for Penn State. Uh, speaking of uh, scoring leaders in the NCAA, uh, Adam Fantilli from Michigan leads the way. He's got 18 points. Massimo Rizzo is next with the Denver Pioneers. He has 14. They're both Canadian. Then you got Jack Randall, Blake Bennett, and A.J. Vanderbeck, all with 13 points. In fact, there's a number of players with 13. Jordan Byro, Canadian. At AIC, Ryan McAllister, Canadian with Western Michigan, and uh, David Gagnon with uh, Lindenwood. He's also Canadian with 13 points. In fact, five of the top eight in NCAA scoring are from the Great White North. We've got a terrific guest list for you this week. Four solid interviews, three of them with uh, draft-eligible players. And, of course, they all join me courtesy the Troubled Monk Hotline. 
Go to troubledmonk.com slash shop. See what they have to order. Place your order online. You can pick it up at the tap room in Red Deer or at the Farmer's Market in Edmonton or the Farmer's Market in Calgary. Or just go to your local liquor store if you're in Alberta. It's available to them. So if you go in, they don't have Troubled Monk, ask them to bring it in for you because they can get it. That's troubledmonk.com. Craft beverages worth sharing. Here is the guest list this week and uh, the order that we will hear them. Christian Catalano, you heard me mention that name. He's leading the North American Hockey League in scoring. Always catches my attention when a Canadian is uh, ripping it up like this. He plays for the Maryland Black Bears. We'll get to know him next. He's uh, still eligible for the NHL draft. He's a 19-year-old, but reason to think that there's a chance he does get taken. We'll cover that. Then Oliver Moore from the U.S. National Development Program's U18 squad, one of the top scorers from the program this year as uh, as the U.S. gets ready to host a Five Nations tournament next week. Now, from there, we will have a conversation with uh, the top-ranked player, the only player out of the Quebec Majors Junior Hockey League who was given an A rating by NHL Central Scouting. Ethan Goche from the Sherbrooke Phoenix is going to join me. And uh, we will wrap up this week's episode with uh, something a little different, a fan perspective, as a gentleman by the name of Kevin Jordan has uh, toured his way through almost all 60 CHL franchises and taken in home games. I think he told me he's got 10 left to go, but he's compiled uh, tour guides for the OHL, the WHL, and the Quebec Major Junior Hockey League. So from a fan perspective and a fan experience perspective, which CHL teams are knocking it out of the park and which ones still have some work to do? We'll find out when we talk to Kevin Jordan. So this bit of breaking news, just as I was uh, wrapping up recording the intro segment uh, here, uh, that the Boston Bruins have signed Mitchell Miller to an entry-level deal. Uh, and this has obviously blown up on social media now. Uh, very briefly, Mitchell Miller drafted by the Phoenix Coyotes, and then they dropped him. He was also uh, recruited by North Dakota, who also dropped him because of his uh, history of abuse and bullying of a mentally delayed classmate back when they were in their teens, early teens, mid to early teens. Uh, he ended up not playing an entire season and then went back to the USHL last year and uh, had a ridiculously good year. And there was talk about, there were rumors that NCAA teams were interested. And I know I'd reached out to uh, some of the college media guests that you hear me get on the show and USHL guests, uh, but nobody could really pin down which teams it was. Uh, so then today, this news, the Boston Bruins have uh, just outright signed him. Uh, and I saw their statement. The statement uh, provided by the Bruins and attributed to Mitchell Miller says, When I was in eighth grade, I made an extremely poor decision and acted very immaturely. I bullied one of my classmates. I deeply regret the incident and have apologized to the individual. Since the incident, I have come to better understand the far-reaching consequences of my actions that I failed to recognize and understand nearly seven years ago. I strive to be a better person and positively contribute to society. As a member of the Bruins organization, I will continue to participate in community programs to both educate myself and share my mistakes with others to show what a negative impact those actions can have on others. To be clear, what I did when I was 14 years old was wrong and unacceptable. There is no place in this world for being disrespectful to others, and I pledge to use this opportunity to speak out against mistreating others. So it's a statement. My perspective has always been, whether it's 
it's this case or any of the other, you know, sexual harassment cases or whatever it is that players are getting in trouble for, suspended for, or whatever. Talk to the victim. In this case, to Isaiah Maya Crothers and his family. If they're good, then okay. If they're not satisfied, if they if there hasn't been appropriate apologies, then there's still work to be done. So, last June, I had reached out to Isaiah's mother, Joni, and we traded emails. And at that point, because this is when I was trying to figure out, okay, so there's some college interest, uh, what's the reaction going to be then? Because it had been basically a year, a year and a half uh, since everything with the Phoenix Coyotes transpired. So... We'd, we'd all seen the reaction in her statements back then, but I wanted to see if something had changed. So this is in June, and she replied to me. Well, we traded emails, a number of emails, uh, and they were hard emails to read because she was recounting a lot, a lot of stuff. And it's not just a single incident, put it that way. And in June, she said no. There had been no actual apology. She said there was an, an official apology that is basically court-mandated, but nothing that's genuine or sincere. Okay, so June of 2022, my thought is the victim and his parents aren't satisfied. Now, today, November 4th of 2022, five months since I had that email exchange with her, the Boston Bruins sign him and release this statement saying that he's apologized to Isaiah. So I've contacted Joni, and I didn't think I'd actually hear from her because I imagine she's getting a lot of messages and emails right now. But she did. She messaged me right away. Uh, I have uh, screenshotted what uh, we traded back and forth on Twitter in private messages. You can see what she wrote at TPS underscore Guy. Uh, my Twitter is exploding right now because of this. Uh, I'm sure this is going to be a major story for the next week. Unfortunately, I won't be able to deal with it on this week's show other than right now what I've expressed to you. Uh, but maybe next week we'll get into it more. But I got to get this week's episode out. So let's get to the guests, starting with Christian Catalano from the Maryland Black Bears. He's up first here on the Pipeline Show, brought to you by Wilhock Beef Jerky. Feist off the boards to center. Now over the blue line, Bedard, high slot, drag. What a move, Bedard! Through the legs! Scores! What a beautiful goal by Connor Bedard in Calgary! Holy smokes! I'm Connor Bedard for the Regina Pass, and this is the Pipeline Show. Since 1965, Wilhawk Beef Jerky has provided fresh, top-quality beef jerky made with 100% Alberta beef. From your very first bite, you'll understand that real jerky isn't found at the convenience store. It's tender, full of flavor, with just a hint of subtle spices. Wilhawk's jerky is aged, seasoned, and marinated to lock in the flavors, and then smoked to perfection. Wilhawk Beef Jerky. It might just be the best you've ever tasted. Try for yourself. Search W-I-L-H-A-U-K today. You're listening to The Pipeline Show with Guy Flaming. Uh, fights like an old lady. And we're back on The Pipeline Show with Guy Flaming, the program brought to you by Wilhock Beef Jerky. It's Alberta's best beef jerky. You can get it anywhere in Western Canada. You just go to wilhockbeefjerky.com. All right, in this segment, we're uh, heading south of the border. That's uh, south of the Canadian border to the North American Hockey League. And uh, this year, the top scorer right now, after about a month and a half into the season, is a Canadian, which is always exciting to see. And my guest, 
uh, comes from the Maryland Black Bears, a team that we featured last year on the program. Uh, Christian Catalano. Uh, Christian, welcome to the Pipeline Show. How are you? Not too bad. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. But you guys are playing terrific. So uh, an exciting time of year for you guys. And I don't know what your expectations were at the start of the season, but maybe we're getting used to it. Maryland always seems to be a team right in the in the thick of things at the top of the standings. So is this hot start any surprise to you guys? Uh, honestly, no. Right when I showed up uh, to Maryland, we started with I started with the impact. Uh, our coach Clint he got us uh, ready to go right away. Uh, we were dialed in for practice, and it was just pretty pretty exciting to come down here and come play with the Black Bears. Uh, we all we, we had a really good start at the beginning, and we're still having a great start. Mm-hmm. So honestly, I want to thank our players, our coaches, and I'm not surprised whatsoever. Well, and you're leading the league in scoring right now, and this is a 29-team league, so there's lots of players in it, uh, and you're uh, sitting ahead with a bit of a cushion even, 26 points in 19 games as we're, as we're speaking right now, and I think the next guy's got 22 or something. But uh, mm-hmm. Clint, Clint, okay. Clint Millimock is your head coach. He was on the program last year. He's a Canadian as well. I don't know what it mm-hmm. is here. It's it's a connection to Canada for uh, for Maryland. Uh, uh, how how'd you find out about the league? Did, did, did Coach reach out to you? He did, he did. So he reached out to me, and I have heard that the null is faster, more physical, and it gets you ready for college and somewhere you really want to be to develop. So I, I had a couple great Zoom calls with Coach, and I decided to make the journey down here. So has it lived up to those expectations? I imagine he pumped the tires of the league pretty well to, to <laughs> encourage you to come down, but has yeah. it been what he promised? It has, it really has. Been, I've had a great time so far. And we have off to a really hot start, and I'm uh, really happy about that. How many Canadians on the team? Are you the only one? Well, we have two, two Canadians, and uh, our coach is obviously Canadian, so yeah. three. Uh, how how different is the league from what you're familiar with and what a lot of our listeners uh, here would be familiar with? I mean, he came out of Ontario in the OGHL, so junior <laughs> A in, in Canada, so across the country it's the BCHL or the AJHL, and you were playing in mm-hmm. Ontario. How different is it? Is it a, is it a big step up or is it about the same? Uh, I would say it is an older league. Uh, the OJ definitely has quite a bit of younger players, and I heard that's great for developing first-year players to branch off to go to bigger leagues like USHL, the BCHL, and the Nall. Uh, I know the Nall is definitely older, and I it does feel faster than other leagues in Canada, uh, a lot more physical. So I feel like it's just getting me ready for the college level. Uh, well, and your first uh, taste of the league, you get down there this year, and I don't know, some guys, when they're breaking into a new team, they might have to play further down the depth chart and kind of work their way up. Mm-hmm. Uh, for you, was it, were you thrown to the wolves right away, or was that the case for you, where you were starting, you know, third or fourth line and had to work your way up? Uh, I would I would say I'd probably start as the top nine, okay. and just like with everybody on the team, they got to earn their spot, right? Uh they gotta prove it with their on ice and off ice development and how much work they wanna put in to become obviously as best as they can be and to help the team. Christian Catalano is uh, my guest. He's a forward with the Maryland Black Bears out of the North American Hockey League. Uh, twenty six points right now through nineteen games, fourteen of those are goals, and uh, your team in first place uh, in the North American Hockey League in your division. Tell me about the the makeup and what the footprint is like and how much travel there is. Uh, you're playing teams like the Northeast Generals and the Maine Nordiques and the Philadelphia Rebels. Yep. So it sounds like you're up and down the coast there a little bit. Yeah. Honestly, like uh, when I was coming down here, I was like, 
huh, I'll, be, I'll get to see a lot of America when I'm down here. Yeah. Because <laughs> I get to, I'm traveling everywhere. That's the only thing. It's different from uh, back where I played at home in the OJ. It's not way more traveling. So I, I, I kind of enjoy it, you know, get to see different things. But we go to 10-hour bus rides, to 5-hour bus rides, to 2. But I, I really enjoy the, the, the moving. The schedule, is it, uh, do you play at all during the week or is it all the we- only on the weekends? Most of the time we play on the weekend. Sometimes, like very rarely we play during the week. Uh, only a couple times this year, I think we do. You mentioned that it's an older league. Uh, yourself, you're what, you're 19, right? Yeah, I'm 19, 2003. Alright, so a lot of guys, are they done high school already? Uh, yeah, most guys, I feel like our whole team, we're all done high school. I think we have one kid that's a 2005 born. Okay. He's still in high school. Everybody else is out. All right, so are there guys already taking university courses or no? There are. There are some older kids, uh, 2002, that are taking university courses just to stay in the loop. All right, so it's kind of like a, a holding place. I mean, it's not like college hockey, they don't want a lot of 18-year-olds now. It's pretty tough to play mm-hmm. at, at the NCAA level at that age. So they want guys yeah, coming in 19, 20, heck, 21, perhaps. So is that what yeah. the North American Hockey League is like, where you got a lot of guys who are maybe in the same boat that you are? I know you've got a commitment, and we'll, we'll get to that in a second, too. But uh, where it's a lot of guys in the same boat, it's your between normal junior age and uh, before you can get into college? Mm-hmm. Yeah, like, it's. Uh, I would say it is a lot older now because, you know, you got guys in college that are 24, 25, and to throw in an 18-year-old with those guys is just different because you're going with men, then yeah. you're just – turning into a, a young adult, right? Uh, well, I got to ask you, you were playing in Ontario. You're from Ontario. You're drafted by an Ontario Hockey League team with the Owen, uh, yep. I believe it was Owen Sound. Uh, why the decision to, uh, to to go the college road? A lot of guys would stay at home and, and play in the OHL. Uh, this is a junior and college hockey show, though, so uh, no uh, no second guessing, and uh, we know that it's college hockey's terrific, too, so yeah. It's not a uh, a slight on your choice, uh, put it that way. Uh, yeah. Why was it the right fit for you though to go the college route? Yeah, honestly, for me, I I went I got drafted decently high in uh, my U16 year. Yeah. Uh, I just honestly, for me, the first year I didn't really make I didn't make the team. I didn't get an offer to come play on the team next year. They sent me down to go play midget or junior B, and I ended up playing junior B. And most of the guys in junior B and the juniors aim for college and I'm like okay this is something I could think about and then I end up going back up to Owenstown the next year uh they, they kind of offered me a spot and then I was kind of debating through the year about should I go into the delay should I go play in the OHL uh, but it just came down to I want to pursue school and I just want to get a good uh, degree out of it so the year you were drafted that was you were playing in Mississauga with the Rebels right the U16 team I was I was, yeah, I was. So the next season was in the uh, GOJHL, which I don't know what mm-hmm. the G stands for. Was that Greater, Greater Ontario? Greater, Greater Ontario Hockey League, yeah. All right, so 22 points in 46 games that year. So that was the mm-hmm. year that you went, and they didn't, uh, Owen Sound didn't have a spot for you, so they sent you there? Yeah, that's what happened, yeah. Now, I know the next season was the COVID year, so there was no season, right? Like, mm-hmm. the OHL yeah. didn't play at all, and, and neither did you. And I wondered if that influenced you at all in – and seeing, all right, well, the, the NAHL is still playing, the USHL is still playing. Heck, the Q and the WHL uh, tried to have seasons as well, uh, but not mm-hmm. the OHL. So for, from your perspective, were you like, well, I got to play, <laughs> so I guess this year I'm going south? Yeah, honestly, like maybe I would have 
played in the OHL if there wasn't for COVID because uh, I don't really, I didn't really want to go into the OHL as a third year guy. Right. I thought I thought I thought it was too late because that league does have younger kids in it, and obviously I feel like the NCAA road was longer, a longer road to develop my skills to become a better player. Well, last year with the Toronto Junior Canadians, seventy three points in fifty two games. So even despite missing the year previous, because there was no year, there was no uh, season mm-hmm. for you. Uh, you had a really strong year yeah. uh, this past season in the OJHL, mm-hmm. and that gets you set up. So did you know at that point? About Maryland, or when did uh, Coach Millamock get in touch with you? Was it this past off season, or it was uh, after the year? After we we had a long playoff run, uh, and after that, uh, a couple of null teams actually reached out to me, and I was like, oh, mm-hmm. I was kind of, I didn't really know about the null until I got reached out, and then I talked to my advisor and my family, and we looked into it, and obviously this is where I ended up. Well, and see, that's probably I'm in the same situation. I'm learning about the null over the last couple of years, and it seems to me like mm-hmm. it's. I mean, it, the USHL is obviously that's their bread and butter is pushing guys to the north uh, to the NCAA, and it seems like mm-hmm. the null. It's the same situation, much like the OJHL yeah. where you were playing before. But uh, it seems like there's a lot more guys coming out of the null uh, and the USHL. Mm-hmm. So uh, to land that scholarship, and you you've decided that uh, RIT is uh, the the program for you. Tell me about the program and, and why you felt it's the right fit. Well, I was pretty excited when uh, RIT approached me in uh, April last year. Uh, it came out of nowhere. I, I didn't really receive a lot of love from other schools, and they offered me uh, a great opportunity to come play for their team. And I, I honestly didn't even go down and see the school yet before I even committed to them. Wow. <laughs> yeah, I, uh, I looked at pictures. I talked to the coaches for a bit. And I just, I could tell from the guys and uh, the quality of coaching that they present that this is a great place to be and that's where I want to play. Interesting. Now, it's a technical school, so uh, is there, do you know what you're going to go in and uh, specialize in as uh, academically? I have been looking, but it does have uh, quite a bit of majors that I'm, I could take. Uh, I, I believe I'm going to go into business, though. I, I want to ask about the NHL draft. Uh, I mean, it's not... Uh, out of the question that a 19-year-old gets drafted, in fact, it's become quite popular here over the last couple of years, especially mm-hmm. because of COVID, uh, where guys, especially in Ontario, where there was no OHL season and the junior leagues there mm-hmm. weren't really running. We saw a lot of 19-year-olds getting drafted last year. You're 19 now. Is the draft st- still something that you're, you're, you have you know high on your radar, or do you just kind of uh, put it out of your mind now because... Yeah. I, I try not to think about it, right? Uh, I don't really... I didn't come into the doll thinking that, oh, yeah, I'm going to go try to get a spot in the draft, right? Uh, it would be a surprise if I uh, do happen to go into it, but I, I've never thought about it. Uh, for those of us who haven't had a chance to watch you play, we, I mean, we can look at the numbers and see. You said 73 <laughs> points in 52 games last year. You're leading the null in scoring right now. So yes, we know you're an offensive guy, but maybe the uh, the stats don't uh, paint the entire picture. So, give us a scouting report on on Christian Catalano. I just think I'm a very uh, strong forward. Uh, it's hard to knock me off my feet, and I'm really fast. So that that definitely helps with carrying the puck and making good hockey plays. Uh, obviously, I'm a 200 foot forward. I love to play defense just as much as I like to play offense. Uh, my coach will throw me out on the power play. Or the PK, doesn't matter to me. But I just want to contribute to my team and help my team win 
Six foot one, one eighty five is the, the what says on the sheet that I'm looking at, but I don't know how up to date yep. that is. Uh, what are you at right now? That's pretty up to date. I would okay. say I'm around eighty five, one eighty five, six one. Yep. Are there specific areas of your game that you still are trying to uh, fine tune before you can get to the college level and have success there? Yeah, obviously. Uh, everybody talks about the offseason training and getting bigger and putting more mass on, right? So that's obviously what I want to do. Be stronger on my feet, right? Because you're going against older people. Right. But yeah, honestly, working on my shot, getting it harder. I know it's pretty good right now, but <laughs> I'd love it to get better. Made my edges a little better too. Got them, got them fine tuned. Right. But uh, yeah, I couldn't ask for much more. Well, being an Ontario guy, we're the, uh, I don't know, the I guess Mississauga, you're closest to Toronto, but Buffalo's not that far in Ottawa. And so, what was your team growing up? Uh, I played for the Mississauga Rebels. No, no, I mean your favorite NHL team growing up. Oh, favorite NHL team? Of course, Toronto. Who else could it be? Well, it could be <laughs> Buffalo. It could be Ottawa. Or you, no. heck, you could be an Anaheim no Duck fan or something. I don't know. Why, <laughs> why the Leafs? Just because no. you're right there? Uh, just like my dad's a diehard fan, and I just kind of hypnotized me into being a Toronto Maple Leafs fan. <laughs> I see. Tell me about the Maryland market and what the fans are like, because it's, you know, from our perspective up here in Canada, as you probably know, would be, well, how how many hockey fans can there possibly be in Maryland? What's it like? <laughs> yeah. Obviously, the Maryland Black Bears is not a really old organization. It's maybe like five years, six years old. Uh, before that, everybody tells me that there wasn't a lot of hockey here hmm. and that, like, it was just club hockey. But obviously, bringing this organization down to Maryland really increased hockey down here a lot of kids are starting to start playing and and obviously we're drawing a huge crowd and on it like 400 500 people for our division we don't i think we get the most fans in the whole in the whole east coast probably for nice. uh the whole east for the all so yeah our fans are great uh we do great promotions with our team and i really love the support from the fans definitely i haven't had anything like this in my junior career What's the uh, closest team, uh, NHL team, to you geographically? It would be Washington. Okay. Washington, so. Have you had a chance to get out and watch a game? I haven't. I'm trying to, though. But uh, I want to get there sometime. All right. Lastly, uh, I'm looking at the team's website. I love the jerseys. You guys have, you know, there's three of them. The black ones with the yellow trim and the yellow uh, jerseys, and then the white ones. They're all really sharp looking. They are. Which one do you like the most? That's a tough one. Honestly, uh, I I gotta go with the red. I just love them. The red ones? I haven't seen red ones. Oh, there they are! Holy cow! You guys, yeah, man, you guys have lots of jerseys. We do. We have three different jerseys. So if you can see, we do have the Maryland flag. Yep. And that's in all our jerseys except for the black ones, probably. But I think it looks great on our jerseys. Yeah, pretty sharp. Uh, and white, white number twenty-three. Any special reason behind that for you? My birthday's May 23rd, so that's just been my number my whole hockey career. Ah, simple as that. Yeah. Well, listen, Christian, I really appreciate your time, man. This was a fun conversation. Uh, best of luck the rest of the way this year, and uh, maybe uh, we'll chat again once you're at RIT. Yeah, that'd be great. Thank you for your time. That was Christian Catalano uh, from the Maryland Black Bears out of the North American Hockey League, commonly known as the Null. Now, he's headed to RIT to play for the Tigers. But interesting to hear him say that, you know, if it wasn't for COVID, he might actually be playing in the OHL with the Owen Sound attack. It was that close for him. Interesting. He had a heck of a season last year. You never know. This is a guy. Maybe he does get drafted. Maybe he's a seventh-round type of pick. 
Somebody just throws a dart. He's like somebody's secret sleeper pick. We always call them sleepers, right? Maybe he's that kind of guy. Or maybe he goes to RIT, plays three or four years, and becomes one of those free agents that uh, you know doesn't get drafted, but then he's going to have three or four teams lining up with contracts. That's never a bad thing either. Sometimes you don't get drafted, and it turns out to be the best. Well, a guy who is looking to get drafted is going to join me next as we keep the 2023 draft spotlight turned on. This time we're pointing it in the direction of Plymouth, Michigan, uh, to the National Development Program, and forward Oliver Moore. He is scheduled to join me next. You're listening to The Pipeline Show, brought to you by Willock Beef Jerky. Coach Dibbon could not resist leaving Newhook out there. Newhook will wind up out of his own zone. He went from Newfoundland to Victoria last year. Here he goes. Wide around the middle. Newhook shoots, scores! He does it again! Hi, it's Alex Newhook of the Victoria Grizzlies, and you're listening to The Pipeline Show. Passion, talent, development. NCAA hockey offers all that and its players graduate at a 93% rate. Trevor Zegras. And they score on the lacrosse move. Jake Gensel. Gensel banks it towards the goal. He scores. Kale McCarr. Kale McCarr. He scores. Stars on campus before the NHL stage. Whether you're a fan or a player, nothing compares to college hockey. My goodness gracious me. Visit collegehockeyinc.com and follow at College Hockey. You're listening to The Pipeline Show with Guy Flaming. I can't sugarcoat this. We're at threat level midnight. Hey, we're back on The Pipeline Show with Guy Flaming. We're going to go from uh, one 2023 draft spotlight right into another one as we get to know another player eligible for the upcoming NHL draft. But a reminder that The Pipeline Show is brought to you by Wilhock Beef Jerky. It's Alberta's best beef jerky, and you can get it anywhere in Western Canada by going to their website at wilhockbeefjerky.com. Unfortunately, my next guest, not in Western Canada, so uh, I don't know if uh, if you're a big uh, beef jerky guy, Oliver, but uh, you can't get it up here, but maybe when you uh, happen to be playing out West or something. Oliver Moore from uh, Team USA, the U.S. National Development Program, he's my guest. Uh, Oliver, welcome to the Pipeline Show. How are you? I'm doing great. Thank you so much for having me. It's great to get a chat with you, and I know it's an exciting time because uh, you've been playing... A lot of uh, college opponents and some USHL opponents, but you're finally getting it closer to the international stuff. We'll get to that, but uh, yeah. uh, what's the season yeah. been like for you so far? It's been awesome. It's been everything, you know, even even better than I hoped for at the beginning of the year. I mean, just the guys were all coming together so well, and obviously our record shows we're just we're winning games and we're having a lot of fun. It's been great. You guys are uh, piling up the wins, uh, that's for sure, and it's just basically yeah. the same group that you played with last year that that's that continuity yeah. must be pretty cool to know that you're going to be playing with the same group of guys for a couple of years yeah it's awesome just like having the summer and connecting over the summer everyone everyone stayed in touch and having a two-year program like this where you're playing with with guys for two years it doesn't come along very often or ever so just grateful for that has your role changed at all uh, here in year two with the program oh uh, no not much it's pretty much the same role i mean obviously like it's a little bit different just because 17 year you're kind of playing all over the place and mm-hmm. you're playing with a lot of different guys but now 18 year you're you're with the same line mates for the most part and getting to build chemistry and stuff so yeah yeah it's been great well and for the people who haven't had a chance to watch your team play those line mates that have been pretty much the same all year who you who you partnered up with all right now i'm playing with uh danny nelson committed in Notre dame and uh 
playing with Will Vogt as well, who's committed to BC. Both those guys, awesome to play with, smart players, good good shots too on both of those guys. So it's been fun to play with them. All right. Well, you're going to be button heads with uh, one of your teammates uh, in the Big Ten for uh, yeah. the next bunch of years. Yeah. Uh, uh, we'll get to that in a second, but sure. uh, what on you? Just on your line, uh, you guys obviously having a lot of success. Uh, what's the chemistry like, and why does it click for you guys? Yeah, I think that we're we're all friends off the ice too, so that that kind of helps when when you're building chemistry with with teammates. I mean, a lot of it happens off the ice. Obviously, on the ice it clicks well, but um, I think that a big part of chemistry and building chemistry is is off the ice, just doing stuff with each other, and and yeah, on the ice we just move the puck well, support each other well, and. Yeah, it's been a lot of fun. 17 points in 14 games as we're uh, speaking right now. It's uh, Tuesday afternoon or Tuesday evening for where you are. But yep. uh, six goals and, and 17 assists in those – or 17 points, rather, in those 14 games. Uh, is that what you expected this year? Are you ahead of schedule or behind a little bit? Where do you – you know, are you happy with the way the, the numbers are for you right now? Yeah, I mean, I'll take that for sure. I wasn't really – going into the year, I wasn't really looking at my first – four. 14 games and saying I'm going to get 17 points. It's more of a, a season goal for me in, that, in terms of that. But I think my game also revolves around not just points, but just playing well defensively and, and doing things to help the team win. So, yeah, I mean, that's great. But it's all about, all about winning games and stuff. So, Well, that's interesting that you mentioned that you kind of have a, a goal for yourself in mind. I ask a lot of players that if at the start of the year you, you have a target, uh, whether it's goals or points or whatever. A lot of guys will say they don't. I think most of the guys probably do, and they might be lying about it. But sounds like you do. Uh, I mean, I I have a goal in mind. It's just not really not something I like like think about a lot, honestly. Okay. I mean, if it happens, great. But yeah, it's it's not really just about points. It's about a lot of other stuff too. More importantly, that the team is having success and personal success exactly. goes with that. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, exactly. Well, for the most part, uh, I, I think you've played what four games against USHL teams, a lot of against Division One teams. You you got the international stuff coming up, but do you have a preference? Is there? Yeah. Do, do you like playing the college guys the most? No, I don't really have a preference. I mean, it's obviously fun when you get to go into a college building, the college atmosphere. Obviously, this year, I mean, it's exhibition game, so it's not it's not exactly what it's going to be like next sure. year and the years coming, but. Yeah, I mean, it's a lot of fun playing college teams, obviously. We get to play Army. That was a super cool experience. And, um, yeah, I mean, any any team's fine, honestly. Like, USHL College doesn't really matter. It's fun to play. Is uh, Thursday, December 29th circled on the calendar for you? You're playing against the Golden Gophers, and that uh, <laughs> is your uh, your team that you'll join uh, here eventually. Yeah, yeah, that'll be a lot of fun. I got a lot of family and stuff going to that game, obviously, just because I'm from Minnesota, from like 15 minutes from, from the campus out there. So. Right. Yeah, it'll be a fun game for sure. Yeah, Oliver Moore is my guest. He's a forward with uh, Team USA, the U18 program, uh, and a draft-eligible player. And, uh, Oliver, that's what we're doing on this part of the show is we uh, like to introduce our audience to somebody that is draft-eligible like you are. And uh, the Pipeline Show is a junior college hockey show. So my regular audience will know all about the program and probably have you on their radar already. Yeah. but. There'll be a lot of casual NHL fans who only watch the NHL and don't watch junior or college hockey, uh, so they don't, yeah. they don't know you yet. Uh, but because you're a draft-eligible player, they're going to listen to a segment like this uh, so they can get a little uh, information. Mm-hmm. So for the benefit of that sure. part of the audience, let's start at the beginning. Uh, you said you're from Minnesota. Where in Minnesota are you from? I'm from Moundsview, Minnesota. It's like, I always say to people, it's like five minutes away from the Super Inc. in, in Bland, so... Uh, now, as far as yeah. I know, there's no mountains in Minnesota, so the mounds view, what is the view of the mounds that you get? Uh, where's the, the town get its name from? 
I don't even know. That's a great question. <laughs> I should probably know the answer to that. But There's no hills or anything? No, not really. It's pretty flat out there, but that's a great question. I didn't even thought to think about that. All right. Okay. Um, <laughs> now, you're a Minnesota guy, so I imagine you're practically born with a, a hockey stick and skates on? Oh, yeah. Yeah, for sure. Since I was, I was two, I was skating on the outdoor rinks and stuff. Being from Minnesota, obviously, that's a huge part of hockey out there is being able to skate on the outdoor rinks with your family or friends and yeah i basically grew up with a stick and skates on so always been a forward always been a forward yeah i mean i've probably played a couple games at d in my career but i've always been a true forward for sure now i know most guys that i chat with uh, they'll say you know maybe you were seven maybe eight years old but uh, at that young age everybody sort of takes a rotation and takes their turn playing in net did you have uh, a game or two like that <laughs> Honestly, I think I did. I don't think it went too well. Yeah. I think my dad tells me that I'm not a goalie. That's for sure. I don't. I don't remember it too well, but I just he just told me it didn't go too well. So yeah, I just kind of never playing goalie again. <laughs> Similar story for most guys. That's for sure. Now, yeah. Uh, when did yeah. the uh, when did the program come into focus for you, and and when did you start feeling like that was a realistic uh, a target? Yeah, I'd say probably freshman year of high school is where I kind of realized like I can do this and I can I'm one of the better players in the nation and um yeah I'd say freshman year is where the goal kind of came out and where I started working towards that all right I know it's a big tryout to to qualify and to get the invite to to join the program so I imagine the competition there was was pretty fierce at times uh getting that call and or I don't know is it a phone call that says you know you you made it yeah I mean I at the time so we had the 40-man tryout camp and and usually they pulled you into like an office and, and they told you that you were going to make the team and they offered you whatever the contract or whatever. So yeah, that's when, that's when I realized I was going to make it. So they, cool. they do it in person. That's pretty cool. It was, uh, yeah. do, you, do you remember who sat down with you? Yeah, I think it was in my meeting, it was Kevin Ryder and Scott Monahan were the two people that did. Well, it was awesome. That's got to feel pretty good. All right. You got the international, yeah. uh, games coming up here with the, uh, the Five Nation tournament uh, that you guys are hosting this year, right? Is that, yeah, is that always yeah. the case? Don't you usually go overseas for that? I mean, yeah, I think it's been a while since we've hosted a tournament like this, but the two internationals I've played in my 17-year, we went overseas to Slovakia and Finland, so it'll be really cool to, to host the countries and kind of show them what American hockey is all about. It'll be awesome. So you got Czechia and Finland, Switzerland and Sweden all coming in, and you're all playing uh, right yeah. there in uh, in Plymouth. Now, are you expecting big crowds for this, or how much uh, you know uh, buzz is there uh, that this is happening here starting on November eighth? I mean, yeah, we're definitely hoping for big crowds. I don't know; it should be should be bigger crowds than our normal games, just because obviously we're we're playing different countries and stuff. So, yeah, hoping for big crowds, but it should be a great experience. Now, Oliver, when it comes to the draft, uh, I'm listening. All your teammates, you're all draft eligible this year, I think, pretty much. Uh, there might be yeah. somebody that's. Uh, underage or something like that or late birthday but mm-hmm. is, is it something that you guys talk about much as a group or do you just kind of keep that on the to the side is it a side story yeah it's definitely more of a side story i think i think we're all just kind of focused on again winning hockey games and, and playing for each other and all that stuff will come as a draft stuff will come as a result of us just playing together and having fun i think that's what, what, what's important right now for sure yet the scouts are always going to be at your games because because there's so many of you that are uh, high on the radar and things like that so <laughs> yeah there's a lot of people who are never in that situation don't know what that's like Is yeah it, do you feel like there's pressure to, to perform from a night-to-night basis not really to be honest i think that most of us making the program we were scouted by by the program and by 
advisors and agents and stuff. So kind of growing up, we, we always kind of had to deal with that. And I think we're all pretty, we're pretty used to that kind of stuff, just scouts watching our games and stuff. So not, not really tons of pressure with that. Uh, for those of us who haven't had a chance to watch you play, we look at the stats and we see you're a point-per-game guy. Pretty, almost that last year, you're more than that this year. Uh, so we know you're an offensive player, but maybe the numbers don't tell the whole story. So give us a, a self-scouting yeah. report uh, on Oliver Moore. Yeah, I'd say um, I'm definitely an offensive player who who has a defensive element to my game. I can play in kind of any situation, PK, um, anything like that. Uh, I'm a player that likes to use my my speed to my advantage and, and put defenders on their heels and create space for my teammates. I'd say that's a really good analysis of kind of what I, what I like to do out there. Now, the uh, sheet that I'm looking at just lists you as a, a forward. Uh, sometimes I see center, but are you actually in the middle? Yeah, I can play both. So I, right now I'm in the middle, but uh, whatever coach needs me to play, I can play left wing, right wing, center, anything. Now, if you're in the middle, you got to be good at taking face-offs. Is that something you spend a lot of time working on? Yeah, definitely after practice and stuff, just kind of having having guys come in and work on face-offs with me. I think that's a big part of the game is just starting with the puck and yeah, definitely something I, I focus on. Oliver Moore from Team USA, my guest here on the Pipeline Show in the 2023 Draft Spotlight. Uh, next year, I believe, is it next year or the year after, you'll be going to the University of Minnesota to join the Golden Gophers? Yeah, I think next year is the plan right now. So, Why that program for you? You're from Minnesota. you got, what, six, seven Division One schools to choose from. Uh, you mentioned uh, Minneapolis not that far away, though. Is that uh, that play part of it? Oh, yeah, I think that, that played a part of it for sure. Um but I think it's just it's just a great spot. I love the coaches there. They're they're great guys. I know I know some of the recruits that are there currently and that are coming in and and all they're just great people and yeah, I think just playing hockey at Mariucci Arena is gonna be something definitely look forward to. You know, it's it's always a cool atmosphere there and stuff. Grew up watching it, so yeah, I'm I'm excited for that for sure. How do you describe what Minnesota high school hockey is like for people who aren't from Minnesota and, and don't know what that that atmosphere is like? I mean it's Guys from Minnesota describe it to me. It almost sounds like a cult. Like it's it's so the passion for high school <laughs> hockey in that state is is ridiculous. Now you're kind of not part of it right now, but uh, you did play a couple of yeah. years of high school, so you you, you had the taste mm-hmm. of it. Tell people what it's like. Yeah, I think it's definitely it's a huge deal in Minnesota. I mean, people can watch the state tournament. Um, it sells out the XL Energy Center. I think it's like eighteen thousand people, and awesome. yeah, there's it, it's super cool to watch. Even now that I'm at the program, I still watch watch the state tournament and everything. So. Yeah, I'd say it's just kind of a big deal there. Everyone kind of follows it and go to the games and stuff. And, yeah, it's, it's fun for people out there for sure. Well, I just noticed you played in another tournament uh, not that long ago, uh, the Brick Invitational up here in Edmonton yeah. at West Edmonton Mall. Yeah. You're playing for Team Minnesota. Uh, eight points in six games in that tournament. Uh, how'd the tournament go for uh, Team Minnesota? We didn't do too great. I think we were like <laughs> one and five or something like that. But that was a cool experience. I remember that. I remember that just being super nervous for that. I, one of my first like out of country tournaments right. ever, so that was really cool. Uh, you get to play in the uh, in the big shopping mall now. I know you've got Mall of America right there in Minnesota, in <laughs> yeah, Minneapolis, yeah. or is it Minneapolis or St. Paul, one or the other? But yeah, St. Paul. I but think. to to play in a, in a setting like that, it's pretty unique, isn't it? Yeah, that was super unique. I mean, playing in a shopping mall. I remember we had a day off, and I was going to the water slides before. Right. So, <laughs> then you go and play a hockey game like 500 feet from there. It was it was cool. Yeah, something. Yeah, it was really cool. All right. Well, Oliver, uh, between now and the end of the year, uh, you, you got a lot of hockey to play, but it all wraps up at the uh, the World U18s. It's That's really what you've been building to for the last two years, isn't it? Yeah, for sure. I think that something in the back of our minds is a goal for our team, and 
just try to focus on the day-to-day process and and that will lead to success at that tournament so not looking too far ahead but definitely something on all of our minds as, as we go through the year and i i'm actually i don't remember where it is do you where where is the U18s this year? It was in Germany last it's year. It's gonna be in it's gonna be in Switzerland this year. I don't know exactly where in Switzerland, but somewhere somewhere in Switzerland. Outstanding. Well, that'll be a lot of fun. Yeah. Uh, and then you got the NHL draft and next year, and uh, it's gonna go pretty quick. But uh, until then, man, I I really appreciate your time. This was a fun chat. Uh, I wish you the best of yeah. luck this season, Oliver. It's uh, great to get to meet you, and I hope we can chat again. Yeah, nice to meet you. Appreciate you having me on. It was great. Oliver Moore from Team USA's U.S. Development Program. Uh, that's the, with the uh, U18 squad. And that's got to be really fun to be able to play. You know, you play a handful of games in the USHL. I guess a little bit more than that. But if they play 60 games in this draft-eligible season, about 20 of them, maybe less than half, anyway, are in against USHL competition. Then they've got the international games that they play, a couple of tournaments during the course of the year, and then the World U18s. Uh, and the rest is against NCAA opponents. That variety has got to be pretty cool, I would have to think. Very unique for players. I mean, nobody else is doing that other than the U.S. National Development Program. And the program is off to a fantastic start this year. They're having a lot of success. and doesn't matter which opponent they're playing against. We'll see if that continues with the Five Nations Tournament coming up. We've got another 2023 draft spotlight coming up next. Uh, one of the top players out of the Quebec Major Junior Hockey League outstanding interview his name is ethan goche plays for the sherbrooke phoenix and he joins me via the troubled monk hotline next you're listening to the pipeline show brought to you by willock beef jerky down there by zaboral puck comes free wards clearing play to the line it skips out to center valeno trying to break shorthanded joe valeno penalty coming valeno deking scores Joe Valeno, shorthanded goal. Hey, it's Joe Valeno from the Drummondville Voltageurs, and you're listening to the Pipeline Show. Oscar from Atchison loves Wilhawk beef jerky. I'll never forget it. Heading to the lake. Three screaming kids in the back. Let's get ice cream, we said. Sour, soupy sundaes all over the van. But then I found Wilhawk beef jerky. Tender, seasoned pieces of meat smoked to perfection. Perfect for keeping little mouths busy. And best of all, no sloppy surprises. And I always make sure to bring a little extra to eat around the campfire. Thanks, Wilhawk. Wilhawk beef jerky. It's the best. You're listening to The Pipeline Show with Guy Flaming. Hello there. And we continue on with The Pipeline Show with Guy Flaming, and that is me, and I want to welcome everybody back to the program. Of course, The Pipeline Show is brought to you by Wilhock Beef Jerky. It's Alberta's best beef jerky, and you can get it anywhere in Western Canada just by going to their website and ordering it from there at wilhockbeefjerky.com. We are going to keep the 2023 draft spotlight turned on, and uh, this time we're going to point it at the Quebec Major Junior Hockey League, and uh, one of the top-ranked players out of the queue this year is having a heck of a start to the season. Ethan Goche from the Sherbrooke Phoenix is my guest. Uh, Ethan, welcome to the Pipeline Show. How are you? Hi, I'm pretty good. And you? I'm doing well, but uh, I'm not eligible for the NHL draft this season, so let's <laughs> let's talk more about you. Uh, and you got to be pretty happy with the way things are going. Your team is playing really well. You're piling up the points. Must be happy. 
Uh, yeah, obviously. Uh, I mean, we uh, everyone new here. It's, uh, it's a big season for us. I think uh, we have a a team that's uh, mature, uh, or or almost all of our guys are around 19, 20 years old. So uh, we're an older team, and it, it's our year to win. So uh, I mean, we were ex- uh, expecting to have a big uh, big start, but uh, I think uh, everyone went everything went well for us so far. Uh, I think uh, our, our whole team's been playing really good since the, the start of the year, and uh, I think we have like two losses and one in regulation. So, uh, so far we we can be asking for for better. And like personally, uh, for myself, I think uh, uh, I, I'm in a good spot here. I play uh, with uh, Joshua Roy and uh, Justin Gill, and uh, I think uh, every game we're we're just getting better and better to, together as uh, as line mates. So, uh, so far uh, everything's going good. Yeah. Yeah, well, the three of you are in the top, what, 14, I guess, uh, in league scoring right now. Uh, and uh, Mr. Gill is leading the league in scoring. Uh, and uh, I'm going to ask you a little bit about Joshua Waugh in a little bit. But, um, yeah, for yourself, what were your expectations coming into this season? I mean, last year you had a good year as well as a rookie. Uh, you had 39 points last season. But, I mean, you're, you're on pace to be way beyond that this year. Is that a surprise for you or is this what you expected? Um, yeah, obviously, uh, I, I knew expectations were were pretty high for me this year. Um, I think I, I took a big step this summer in my uh, in my game, in my identity, and uh, in my identity as well. I mean, uh, the Olympic Rescue Cup. Uh, I think it's it's kind of a big confidence uh, that I, I took a lot of confidence there. And uh, coming back to Sherbrooke, I mean, uh, I wasn't expecting uh, like what's going on right now i mean uh i had a pretty pretty good start and i'm pretty happy about how it's going uh, so far but uh i i knew expectations were going to be high and my role in the team would be uh would be higher so uh i mean playing playing with two guys like josh and uh, giller is it's pretty awesome it's uh it's a, a huge uh, chance i i had and uh, my coach gave me that confidence to play there so uh, i think I, I just took the opportunity that uh that showed up to me and uh like i said i mean um so I, I was i was maybe not expecting to uh to produce that much uh, in the start of the season but uh i mean everything went went pretty good and uh i, I built up a pretty good uh chemistry with my line mates so i'm pretty happy about that ethan you mentioned the holinka gretzky cup you got to come to alberta and play for canada in in uh red deer and we know the tournament went pretty well and you had a fantastic tournament i think a lot of people across the country now know who you are because of the way you played in the summer and I'm wondering how much of that the start with the uh, with the Phoenix, you would say, is because you were playing big games, meaningful games in August. So your summer, your season really started before everybody else. Has that given you an advantage? Yeah, exactly. I mean, um, I knew before going there uh, to to that tournament that it was a huge opportunity to me to uh, show everyone uh, who I was as a player and as a. I mean, I, I think I showed exactly what I wanted to show to to everyone there. I mean. Uh, I, my dad taught me a lot about uh, playing my identity and uh, going there was my, my, my first goal to just uh, make sure I, I show to everyone what I could do uh, on the ice um, as a hockey player. And I think that's exactly what I did. I started off uh, on the third line, second pay, uh, power play uh, for like exhibition games and stuff like that. And um, uh, it's been really good. So uh, my coach just taught me off first, uh, first official game on the first line and um, I mean, I, I was also uh, with a pretty good linemates there. I played with Benson and Jagger, which are uh, two unbelievable players. I mean, uh, probably the two most talented guys I've seen in my my uh, group of age after Bedard, uh, hmm. like it, playing playing with or against them. So um, I mean, it was pretty awesome to to share a line with them. And 
Um, I think it was just, like I said earlier, it's just a lot of confidence that I, I took there in, like, with the puck, like, um, giving uh, my shot, like, more confidence to, to shoot it and um, playing around the net. And like I said, I, I did not score. Uh, I think I scored one maybe. That, that was a pretty uh, pretty nice goal going in and uh, cutting to the middle. But other than that, like, most of my goals were around the net. And uh, that's part of my identity, just stick around the net, finish my body checks, and uh, be, be good on the forecheck and stuff like that. And uh, that's exactly what I did. Nice. Uh, you mentioned uh, Braden Yeager and uh, Zach Benson. And you're right, two very skilled guys. But these are guys you probably never played with before and had. it looked like you had instant chemistry. It didn't look like you'd never played with them before. How do, how do you do that? How do you come together with a couple of guys you don't know and instantly have chemistry? Oh, it's... Yeah, it, it, it was pretty special. I mean, um, those guys are two uh, unbelievable person too. I mean, um, when I met them off the ice at first, I, I knew right away that uh, those two guys would be one of my good buddies like, heading out out of that tournament. So, uh, I mean, off the ice, we just had the, a good chemistry. And um, when we got together on the same line, we, we had all the same goal. I, we were not uh, thinking about our, our own points or all goals and stuff like that. We just wanted to make the difference and win that championship together and um, that's exactly what we did, and like I said, I mean, it's there is Benson is unreal. I mean, his skills, his abilities are awesome. Uh, Jagger is probably the best two-way player out there uh, from our, our group of age. I mean, they're, they're different players, but all together, I think we uh, we completed ourselves pretty well, and uh, we uh, we had results there. So, uh, I mean, it's kind of a special situation, like you said, just uh, mm-hmm. coming all together and. Never, uh, real, never uh, playing together, but um, I think the the chemistry was uh, was made right away as soon as we we, we play on the same line and practice and stuff like that. So it was pretty awesome. Yeah. Ethan Gaucher is my uh, guest. He plays for the Sherbrooke Phoenix in the Quebec Major Junior Hockey League and draft eligible this year. And Ethan, the Pipeline Show is a junior and college hockey uh, program, so my regular listeners will will know about the Sherbrooke Phoenix. They've probably seen you play before. Uh, but there'll be a lot of people who are just casual NHL fans who don't watch junior or college hockey that will listen to this segment because you're uh, ranked so high for the NHL draft. Uh, so for the benefit of those people who don't know you at all, uh, maybe let's get a bit of background, if you don't mind. Uh, where'd you grow up? Well, well, I know you were born in Phoenix, but what do you consider to be your hometown? Um, yeah, like you said, I'm born in uh, Scottsdale, Arizona. Uh I mean, I moved around when I was pretty young. I mean, my dad played 11 years in the NHL, so uh, mm-hmm. I mean, I followed him since uh, since I'm born with the Phoenix, and then uh, he got traded to Philadelphia, where we lived there, I think, two years, and after another two years in Los Angeles, and after that in 2009, 2010, uh, my dad retired, and we, we moved back to Drummondville, and that's where uh, that that's my hometown. That's where I live right now. Okay. Uh, but but now obviously I'm I'm building in uh, Sherbrooke where I'm playing right now. But my hometown is uh, is Drummondville. So we got back in '09, '10, and then uh, played my minor hockey there. And I moved. Uh, I I went. Uh, I left home uh, two years ago when I played midget triple in Magog. So uh, I know you mentioned your father. That would be Dennis Goche, who, as you mentioned, played a long time in the NHL. A lot of guys uh, when I have them on the show. I'll ask them who got them interested in hockey in the first place, and obviously the, I'm going to suggest that that's probably your father for you. Uh, and uh, getting to grow up with a an NHL player in your household does that give you a bit of an advantage? You got a pretty good coach along the way. Yeah, for sure. I mean, uh, the the thing is, uh, when people talk about my dad, sometimes they uh, 
you know, you can assume like he was, uh, he's, he forced me or not forced me, but like, um, he, he wanted me to play hockey or something like that, but right. it's never been his, his goal. I mean, obviously he, he would wish that we played hockey, but that's what we wanted to do. And like, even if we, we were going to choose something else, another sport, I mean, my brother at one point was going to choose like, uh, between hockey and baseball, uh, cause he, he wasn't playing a uh, high level in both. And, uh, you know, my, my, my brother took his own decision without any pressure at all. So, Um, I mean, my my dad's been supporting us uh, since we're really young and everything we we've been doing, and um, but he he never's been like uh, I never felt no pressure at all from him. He's just been there to help me to support me, and obviously all the all the little details and cue he could bring me uh, as a hockey player is uh, is, is precious because I mean it's a tool that I have close to me that not a lot of players have. Uh, he knows exactly what it takes to uh, play pro hockey one day and be a hockey player, a professional. So. Um, obviously, it's it's uh, a person that's uh, that's been really good for me since uh, since I stopped playing hockey. Well, I know, and a lot of people would say, "Are you like your dad as a player?" Uh, I know he was a defenseman, and he was a big, strong, physical defenseman. Uh, and you're not that. You're uh, you're not a big, strong, physical defenseman. You're a you know an average sized forward who puts up a, a lot of points. So not a lot of similarities in the way that the two of you play. But from a mental perspective, maybe the way you guys look at the game and think about the game. Is that where the similarities might be? Um, I would say the biggest similarity is probably my physical game. I mean, uh, it's, it's probably the biggest uh, aspect of my game uh, since I, I started playing with contact. I mean, uh, obviously everyone knows that my, my dad was kind of that kind of defenseman, uh, a hard defenseman, likes to, uh, likes to hit. Uh, yeah. He was in the in scrap and stuff like that. So I think that's probably the the aspect I took from him. Uh, it, it's a game that I love to play, just uh, on the forecheck, finish your hits, uh, being around the net, being uh, annoying. Um, you know, and for the, around the net, uh, sometimes getting into scraps and stuff like that. I think it's it's something that, uh, that you know, I, I just want to keep doing because, uh, you know, when you, you make yourself a name and people know that you're annoying to play against, sometimes it creates you some, some space on the ice and stuff like that. So, um i i wanted to, uh, to use that as an uh, advantage for sure but uh, i i think we also look at games the same way i mean sometimes we we sit together after games and just watch watch a couple of uh, clips together and stuff like that and i could tell right away what what he's going to tell me so um that that's another aspect i was well that we have a similar uh, similar things i would say Uh, you mentioned your brother. That would be Kalen, who uh, is your teammate in Sherbrooke, and that's got to be a lot of fun. He's a, he's a few years older than you, so I imagine you didn't get to play together as kids growing up all that much. But uh, getting to play together with the Phoenix, that's got to be uh, you must really really enjoy that. Yeah, for sure. Uh, my brother's playing his last year this year. Uh, he's playing his twenty, so uh, he got traded last year at Christmas time. And uh, as soon as he he came here, I you know I, I saw I saw it different in my just the way I, I was acting the way I was playing the way I was more confident and stuff like that uh my brother's been helping me with everything since I'm I started to train with him we train together we work together uh you know we spend time together back home and stuff like that we we do mostly everything together so I mean uh, just having him besides me here in the same team uh it was pretty special and it's obviously special for us but also special for our parents our family so um it's 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 amazing moments and uh we know the opportunity we have and uh we know it probably won't happen again in our life so we just want to uh to enjoy every moment together and hopefully we can win a championship together 
He's Ethan Goche from the Sherbrooke Phoenix. This is the Pipeline Show with Guy Flaming. Tell me about the NHL draft and how much you think about it. It's, it's uh, you know, it's been on your radar, I'm sure, for a long time, and now you're finally in your draft eligible season. It must be exciting. At the same time, a little nervous. Uh, but what are your thoughts about it? Yeah, um, obviously, um, I know it's coming. We, you know, we uh, we were playing hockey for for moments like that for. Uh, for a, like to to play NHL, I think it's a childhood dream. So um, I, I kind of lived it with my cousin. I was there when he got drafted a couple of years ago for uh, Carolina Hurricanes. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, it's 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 just a uh, like I said, it's a childhood dream. Everyone wants to to play in the NHL one day, and um, I, I don't want it to get on my mind too much uh, this year. I mean, um, obviously, uh, you're, you're playing hockey for that, and you think about it. But uh, it's, I think if you think about it too much, sometimes it can be. Uh, kind of a mental problem and stuff like that you just don't want to use it as pressure and just more as motivation and uh when you see like you know some rankings and stuff coming out i mean i'm not the the type of player that tries to find them or something like that like obviously ah. i, I kind of see them sometimes but um it's it's just i just want to use those as motivation and not as uh you know just pressure or, or things like that so i mean I, I don't know what's going to happen at the draft. I mean, everyone wants to get drafted the, or more early as possible. So yeah. it's obviously my objective as well. So um, I, obviously I'm looking up for it uh, for sure. Well, you answered my next question already. So I'll skip. Uh, I was going to ask you about the rankings and things like that. But um, let's just go with, uh, I mean, you're a guy who's dealt with pressure a lot. You're a first overall pick in the Quebec Major Junior Hockey League uh, draft. And, and I wonder how you deal with pressure because, you know, when a, a team uses that first number one pick, they're going to have high expectations. The fans are going to have high expectations. I'm sure you have pretty high expectations for yourself. How do you deal yeah. with pressure like that and l- not let it bother you? Yeah, for sure. I mean, um, I I got to say that that uh, when I got drafted here first overall was the first time I kind of felt pressure around me. I mean, I uh, I knew when I was younger. I mean, I was always in the the best players in my group of age and stuff like that. But I just never realized that um, uh, I could be a first overall pick one day. So I mean, what, a couple of months before the draft, when I saw those rankings and uh, like the CSR rankings here were were putting me first up there, and um, that's when I kind of realized, okay, it's 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 possible. And um, I mean, I've been I've been dealing with stuff like pressure and stuff like that since I'm really young. I played in a lot of uh, like big uh, summer tournaments and stuff like that. Um, so I, I was ready for that. And coming into Sherbrooke, I mean, as a, as a 16 years old, I kind of uh, got surprised a bit. Uh, I didn't play major AAA, so it's kind of a, a gap from Bantam to, to junior hockey because uh, I haven't played any games major AAA. So mm-hmm. it's kind of a big step, and I got kind of surprised of how fast the game was. And, uh, you, obviously, you're playing against 18, 19, 20-years-old guys, so... Uh, more older, more mature, and I think just after Christmas, I just changed my mindset and just uh, try to think about myself, think about the team, and uh, not about what's going around, what people think about me, and just all the expectation that the fans and stuff like that um, were seeing and or was wanting me to to prove or whatever. So I think just coming back after Christmas, put that beside and just change my mindset, just helped me so much and. I had results right away and I kind of had the same mindset when I went to uh, Helinka, you know, obviously there's um, a lot of people watching, a lot of expectations, people uh, want you to perform, you're representing your country and stuff like that. But we just went there as a group, a group of guys that wanted to to win a championship and uh, we didn't 
think at all about what was going on on the outside uh, for one moment. And they told us right away, you know, social media and stuff like that, just put that away. Mm-hmm. So uh, I'm, I'm more conscious about, uh, you know, everything going on on the social medias and stuff like that. It, it helped me really well. So I, I'd say um, I learned a lot about that. And I, I'm dealing with pressure really well now because, uh, you know, I realized stuff and it just helped me so much. So. Yeah, your line mate Joshua Waugh, also uh, a first overall pick in the Q draft. He was taken by St. John. I-, I wonder you ever talked to him about how he dealt with the uh, expectations and things. Is that did, has he helped you at all? Um, I-, I mean, I never really talked about that with him personally, but um, obviously Josh was probably one of the first guys with our captain uh, Xavier Parent when I was I came here last year uh, to come and see me and just uh, you know f- congratulate me and welcome me me to the the team and uh stuff like that and it's just a little detail that it, it sounds pretty uh i don't know how to say it. it it sounds not important stuff like that but it just makes you feel so so well when mm-hmm. guys like that like big big players big names come into you and just welcome you to the to the league to the team and stuff like that and uh you know obviously everyone knows how how good josh is and how skilled he is and everything he can do on the ice is just amazing and um, he, he he's an example for me, obviously uh, on the ice, and uh, he's he's a pr- uh, unreal person off the ice as well. So um, he's been really good for me, and just being close to guys like that, you just want to uh, you know take part of uh, his game, part of uh, the way he he competes, the way he acts, just to bring that to you to your game. And um, yeah, it's it's pretty pretty amazing. Now you mentioned you never played AAA, uh, midget AAA. That's because there was no season that year, right? That was the COVID year when you were in Magog that you didn't play. And then you get the last year where you you finally have your first year with Sherbrooke. But how do you get over that season where you didn't get to play at all? Yeah, exactly. Uh, it's my, my midget AAA yeah, year I didn't play. Um, we were still uh, still there building in Magog. That's the first year I left home and I was building. And uh, I went to school there even though we, we weren't playing. We were practicing and uh our coach there was uh, Felix Podvin. He played the uh, he played in the NHL as well. He was right. a goalie for Toronto, and uh, um, I mean, it was, I I don't consider that year as a a year that I lost because um, I still I still met uh, an amazing person, an amazing coach. I mean, um, he he's he's bring a lot of good details, good things to my game, and um, I would say that's the first year that I. I kind of realized how important the D zone was and he just made me understand how to play, how to work in a, a, like a system and stuff like that. Cause it was also the first year that I had like a D zone structure and like, uh, like a more important structure kind of like mm-hmm. a, a game plan and stuff like that. So uh, just little details like that, like he, he, he's been real good for me, just preparing me to moments like uh, QMJHL. And I think that if I, I, I haven't had any, like that type of coach or that type of person in front of me, that year, maybe uh, you know, getting to the QMJJ QMJHL would would have been harder for me. That's for sure. But uh, yeah, it was it was a hard year mentally for sure because we didn't get to play. But um, obviously, I, I learned a lot during that year, and uh, I don't I don't consider it as a, a year that I lost. So it was pretty nice. Ethan, lastly, before I let you go, I have to ask you about uh, you mentioned some of the summer tournaments that you played in along the way, uh, and I want to go back what almost ten years ago. You would have been about ten years old. You came to Edmonton and played in the Brick Invitational at, at West Edmonton Mall. Uh, I wonder what you remember about that uh, that experience. Yeah, um, I mean, I don't, I, I don't remember much because it was a long time ago. Yeah, uh, I didn't. I mean, I 
I think I played one game. I got injured my first game. I blocked a shot and I broke a finger. So oh no, um, I I didn't play. Uh, I, I played one game. I think in uh, is that tournament. I played the exhibition games, but um, obviously it's not the way I, I wanted that uh, that tournament to go. But uh, it, it was a fun experiment for sure. I mean, just the the ring, the mall, everything. It's kind of you're young, so it's uh, it's uh, obviously pretty uh, pretty special to live that and. Uh, you know, growing up, you see all the big names that went uh, went through that tournament uh, mm-hmm. and are playing NHL today. So it's, it's inspiring for sure. And I mean, it it was it was pretty fun. You still got a couple of good memories there. I we went to like the water slides and stuff like that in the mall. And just when you're young, you everything's pretty cool there. So it yeah. was a pretty awesome experience for sure. Ethan, this has been a, a lot of fun. I really enjoyed uh, getting to chat with you. Uh, best of luck to you and the Phoenix this year, and whatever happens at the draft. Uh, I hope we can chat again one day. Perfect. Thank you. I appreciate it. That was the very well-spoken Ethan Goche uh, from the Sherbrooke Phoenix. I really, really enjoyed that conversation. I thought uh, thought that a lot of his answers were really in-depth and uh, provided a lot of insight. That was awesome. Someone who is uh, definitely on my to-watch list for sure. Don't get to see a lot of the queue from uh, out west here. So uh, when I get a chance, I am definitely going to be watching the Sherbrooke Phoenix. One more segment to go, and a guy who's been watching a lot of junior hockey because he's uh, gone throughout the Quebec Major Junior Hockey League, the OHL, and uh, recently the WHL, and he's compiled a uh, nice tour guide. His name is Kevin Jordan. You might know him from the OHL Arena Guide. Well, now he's got a WHL version, too. We're going to get the fan perspective on what that's like touring across the CHL. We'll do that next here on the Pipeline Show, brought to you by Wilhock Beef Jerky. This is Logan Stankoven. I play for the Cowboys Blazers. The Blazers, Stankoven, left wing, trying to work around Dory. And uh, Stankoven is shoot, SCORE! From his knees, Stankoven goes top cheese. And this is the Pipeline Show. There's a lot of people with disabilities that can't just go out and find a job. So we set out to create a business to fill those needs, one stick at a time. The Store Next Door gift shop is a Yarmouth-based manufacturer and retail outlet store. So we make great ideas that any of our employees come up with, and we reuse and recycle as much as possible. Our most popular item is probably our hockey furniture. We take broken hockey sticks and turn them into different products. We go through a lot of hockey sticks. A lot. A whole lot. Considering that it's only been a year and we're shipping internationally, I think that that's been a huge success. Most people's reactions are, wow, you do this here. We don't accept can't here. Everyone here learns in different ways, but we want to give everybody every opportunity to find exactly what works for them. There's nothing better than when a customer buys something and then one of our employees say, I made that. They have meaningful lives and build things they can be proud of and get a paycheck for it. I'm Amy Acker and we change lives one job at a time. You're listening to The Pipeline Show with Guy Flaming. I know that, dude. Hey, it's the final segment on this week's episode of the Pipeline Show with Guy Flaming. The program brought to you by Wilhock Beef Jerky. It's Alberta's best beef jerky, and you can get it anywhere in Western Canada. Go to wilhockbeefjerky.com. Uh, we're going to do something a little different in this segment as we're 
My guest, number one, he's a fan first and foremost, but he's uh, traveled throughout the CHL and he's put together these really cool uh, arena guides for the OHL, the Q, and now the WHL as well. And uh, given the fan perspective on what the experience is like at all these barns, Kevin Jordan is my guest. Kevin, welcome to the Pipeline Show. How are you? I'm good. Thank you for having me. Oh, pleased to get a chance to uh, chat with you about this project. And uh, well, take me back to the start. When and why did you start doing this? Well, um, I am from London, Ontario. I'm a London Knights fan, first and foremost. And um, we won't hold that against you. That's fine. I've heard all the jokes. <laughs> I mean, they were terrible when I was young, and they—that's still the team that as they exist in my head, even though it hasn't been true for a long time. But um, yeah, I grew up going to games at the London Gardens, which was about five minutes from where I grew up, and um, started traveling when I was about twenty to road games with a bunch of friends that I met from online and back in the days of message boards and, and that sort of thing. And uh, the message board for the OHL that I posted on every weekend, there would be threads from people that had uh, driving direction questions. You know, this was before Google Maps or, or Street View or mm-hmm. anything. And there were building a lot of the teams didn't even have ticket prices or directions listed on their website or anything like that. And um, after seeing this happening every week and starting to discover the road games myself, after a while, I decided that maybe it would be. A nice resource to have um, to have driving directions and and um, you know just help people travel and it sort of was, it was sort of conceived as a travel guide and over the years Wikipedia and again um, map websites started doing that a whole lot better than I did and so eventually I, I it turned into almost like a blog I guess you could say where it was just this is my journey through the CHL but I finished uh, the OHL pretty soon after it was 2005 uh, that I completed all 20 in the O. Um, moved to Newfoundland back when the Fog Devils were a team in the QMJHL and um, started going to Q games. And eventually it took me a long time to finish the Quebec League, but I did that uh, last year, finally. And uh, in 2019, I started going to dub games once the uh, comparative price of traveling across country to the West started to come down with the rise of uh, lower cost airlines and, and that sort of thing. And, and I've, I'm at 13 of the 22 dub ranks right now and hoping to get finished within the next couple of years. Excellent. Well, I've been uh, going through the websites, and it's really cool to to see the uh, you take some snapshots of uh, the rinks inside and out, and uh, it's a, it's a real cool perspective. And uh, I'm wondering what the reception is uh, from the teams that you're uh, you're going in, because sometimes you're you're not exactly critical, highly critical, but you point out some things that are weird or strange, and what you like and what you don't like. Uh, have the teams given you any feedback? Yeah, I mean, I try as much as possible to go screw under the radar, like. I don't want press passes or, um, you know, VIP treatment or anything. I just want to kind of go in and do my thing and, and uh, be treated no different from anybody else because that's part of the fun, I think, for me. Um, I have had uh, – I've been doing this for long enough. Like, the website's been online for – twenty. the OHL one anyway has been online for 20 years now. So I, I've become uh, – you know, back in the day when I was a lot younger, it was almost um, – you know, the internet was still an upstart thing back then, and a lot of the teams kind of ignored it, whereas there are now people who've grown up uh, reading my website and who now work for teams. And um, Dom Hennig, who was the uh, director of, um, I don't know his title, honestly, but he worked for the Flint Firebirds anyway. Was a yeah. fan, and and uh, right, right before the pandemic, he reached out and was like, you should come down to Flint. You know, we'll give you a whole arena tour and press box access and, you know, hook it with dinner before the game and everything. And I'm I'm thankful for that. It was lovely that he did that. But... Uh, overall, I like to, like I say, fly under the radar a little bit and, and be able to tell the truth afterwards, so to speak. I can still come from that dead spin era of, uh, 
the internet and and uh, being able to say what you want without being beholden to anybody for access. Well, I'm going to ask you about some specific uh, arenas, especially here in the Western Hockey League, but mm-hmm. just in general, mm-hmm. uh, are they more similarities between the rinks across the, the 60 CHL markets or are there more differences? And I'm thinking, you know, like in some of the big markets like Halifax and Quebec City, they're going to be a lot different than Prince Albert and, and uh, Owen Sound, I'm mm-hmm. sure. So are there more differences or more similarities between all these rinks? Well, it, there are more similarities now than there once were. I mean, anybody who's been in, you know, the new rink in Victoria or Moose Jaw or anything like that can probably say that they're, they're fairly similar to each other in a way that maybe wasn't the case 30 or 40 years ago. Right. Um, we, uh, people on the internet and myself use the uh, term clone rank a lot to describe your usual sort of five to 6,000 CCHL building. that has got, uh, you know, a nice open concourse and good dress rank of seats and everything like that. But uh, there are still some subtle similarities, but what I really enjoy more than anything else is going to the older burns and, and when they really were different from each other. And, uh, you know, the West really started closing some of the really old ranks a lot earlier than in Ontario and Quebec. Like Quebec still has a couple of really old burns, like in, you know, Valdor and, and that sort of thing. And there's a couple in Ontario still, whereas I think the oldest in the West is Portland Coliseum. And, uh, but it's still been fun to go off and explore some of them. Like I really, really enjoyed Prince Albert. I know that rink was built in 71, but just the reception from the fans up there was phenomenal. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I mean, I, I'm a sucker for green teams anyway, but uh, it was nice to uh, feel really welcome there. And uh, other places are a little less welcoming, but it's still every, everywhere is different. And that's part of what the fun is for me. From a fan perspective, what's most important about having a good experience? And, and, and I could there be, could be lots of things. It could be the the width of the concourse and how easy it is to get around the building, or it could be the the screen or the in house entertainment during the, uh, the the game itself and in between intermissions. What, what is it that that makes it or breaks it for you? If the atmosphere is good, I, I can deal with anything else. I mean, uncomfortable seats or, or poor access, expensive parking. Like I'll put up with basically anything if it's a fun time going to the game and if the fans are into it. And I, I think the teams can um, – running a professional show can help. Um, I know a lot of um, junior teams, like, and I criticize my own nights for this a lot, is that, you know, every single stoppage in play is the same week after week. Like, you know, in the old days, uh, you could tell what where you were in the game by which tune off of your first Big Shiny Tunes album they were playing. <laughs> and, uh, it, yeah, I guess that's probably about it. I mean, like, um, just a good good experience with um, with atmosphere. Is, I'll, I'll basically put up with anything else. Well, I'm wondering then, when you have all of that in mind, uh, who are some of the ones that stand out in a positive way for you, maybe not just specifically WHL, but across the, the, the CHL and the times you visit them? Uh, who comes to mind when you think of, man, that was a great night? Uh, my favorite in the dub so far has been Prince Albert, uh, as mentioned. Like it's um, the fan, the people there were just so welcoming, and I mean, I was wearing a Knights jersey. And my friend Steve, who I was with, who's a Guelph Storm fan, was wearing his Guelph jersey. And you know, they it was the year that they'd won the uh, cup, the Edgenough Cup, the year before. They had it on display in the uh, lounge after the game, and they wanted you know come up on up and take a picture with the with the trophy and where are you from, how did you how are you liking Prince Albert, that sort of thing. But even if it's not that kind of warm welcome, um, I really liked uh, Valdor and the, the Quebec League is one of my favorites. Like it's an old, um, you know, ramshackle kind of a building built in the forties that uh, has a wonderful atmosphere and just you know, you no matter where you're sitting in the building, you feel like you're just completely hanging over the ice. It's mm-hmm. a really steep seating angle. Um, the newer rinks, I mean, some of them are good. Like a lot of them are very comfortable, but for a newer rink to really stand out for me, I think it has to be. Um, they run the show well. Like they put the video board to good use. The promotions team doesn't, um, 
you know, interrupt too much, I guess you could say. Uh, they still have a job to do, but if maybe if the fans get going, they sort of sit back on their hands a little bit and let the atmosphere take hold. And uh, a game that means something in, in the playoffs, obviously the fans are going to be a lot more into it than um, in uh, the time of year that I generally tend to travel because of weather, like in the, in the early fall. But um yeah, any building that where the fans get into it and where the arena uh, staff let them get into it is one that I tend to enjoy. Do you notice a difference between the American fans and uh, Canadian fans? I, I would say that I do when I've been to uh, the, uh, well, the only American city in the States that I've been or to uh, in the WHL that I've been to is Portland, and it was during the WHL final, so that might have something to do with it. But I thought the fans in, and I'm told, all the fans in the WHL, the five American uh, cities, they're much more... Uh, vocal during the game whereas the canadian fans seem to sort of sit back and react to what's happening american fans seem to want to influence what happens uh, with the way they act do you see get that sense too 100 percent, yeah i uh, i also find that in quebec which is interesting and i'm not sure what it is about like english canadian culture that makes us uh, and i speak as a member of that obviously culture mm-hmm. but uh, makes us more more quiet and sit on our hands a little bit but i've done two of the five of you dub rinks in the U.S. I've done Seattle and Everett. Uh, haven't done the other three, but I've also been to games in, in Flint and Saginaw and Plymouth back when they had a team in Michigan and then also Erie, Pennsylvania. And, and the, oh, Erie is famously the loudest team in the league, like bar none. Like the, the building there is a madhouse most nights when the team's doing well. But uh, I'm not sure what it is uh, culturally that makes the American and, again, Quebec fans uh, more into it, but I enjoy it. I, I like going to games in the U.S. when I get I'm looking forward to seeing the other three American Burns because I've heard good things about them. Kevin Jordan's my guest. You can find him uh, online at ohlarenaguy.com, and from there you can check out his WHL and Quebec Major Junior Hockey League pages uh, as well. Uh, I was going through all your dub uh, work, and uh, I I happen to like the Red Deer, the Centrum in Red Deer. I think it's a fun building to get to from the uh, media perspective where we're calling the game. It's a little snug, and there's no elevator to get up there, so uh, we're, we're soft media guys, so that's the only thing that bugs us. But to watch a game there, I find it fantastic. Uh, and I liked your write-up because you said, you know, it's kind of an outdated building, but they do such a good job there that it doesn't matter. Yeah, I mean, I think I described it as the uh, the oldest uh, new or the newest old building in, in the uh, league. Like it's <laughs> there was a shift in um, arena design, uh, late 80s, early 90s. Like I, I think um, I talked about the Palace of Auburn Hills where the Pistons used to play in Detroit as being the first one that had the suites brought down from the rafters and, uh, you know, the segregated concourses and trying to draw fans out into the concourse to spend money in the intermissions rather than just, you know, here is a hot dog if you're hungry uh, sort of thing. And the Centrium in Red Deer definitely has that old building feel about it, even though it was built in the early 90s. Uh, Whereas if you go to Kamloops, which was built only the next year, then it feels a lot newer. And uh, like, I like the older buildings again, and, and uh, I don't really care when Red Deer would build it because it feels like an older building and it has atmosphere like an older building. I really enjoyed um, seeing the Rebels there. Interested to hear your take on uh, the situation with the Winnipeg Ice. Uh, they moved from Cranbrook, and I know you stopped by the, the arena in Cranbrook to take a look. Uh, I think it holds about 4,000 people, if I remember correctly. Uh, they're now playing at the University of Manitoba, the uh, Wayne Fleming Arena that uh, I think max capacity is 1,600. Just, I think it's a bit of a sore spot for the WHL that they moved from a, a small market with a bigger fan base to a uh, big market that they can't you know, exceed 1,600 people. Well, I think that um, if it worked, it would be fantastic having a team in Winnipeg. Like I think I looked in, and I think the 
early mid seventies was the last time that there were uh, WHL teams in all four large Western cities, like uh, that also have the NHL now. And uh, you know, the the Hitmen and the Oil Kings and the Giants all seem to do re- reasonably well in a way that um, you know the OHL hasn't really succeeded in Toronto and the um, Q hasn't really succeeded in Montreal either. Mm-hmm. And so there's no reason why it wouldn't work if it wasn't for the Manitoba Moose, and if it wasn't for the fact that the Winnipeg Jets obviously don't want the ice there. And, um, you know, they're already selling their own affordable, family-friendly brand of hockey um, in Winnipeg that uh, I can't imagine they were thrilled to have the uh, new competition come along. So I visited the uh, Wayne Fleming Arena. I haven't been to a game there, but I I took a walk through it when I was in Winnipeg uh, last month. And that's, you know, like any other university ranked in Canada, it's definitely not up to dub standards. And um, I don't know enough about, like, I'm not an insider by any stretch. I don't know if the uh, league's move, allowing the uh, ice to move to Winnipeg into this tiny little place was contingent upon getting a new building built or anything like that. But the last that I heard was that there wasn't any uh, plans now to get a new building built in light of the pandemic. And I'm also very interested to see what happens. I'm not really that interested in going to see a nice game. I've only got 10 CHL ranks left to see, and I would throw one of the 10 and it will happen someday if they're still there in a couple of years. But, you know, some of the rinks that I haven't been to Portland, that's a beautiful old building and it's uh, on the national register of historic places. And I can't wait to see the Coliseum. And when I, I, I could take it early, but there at least wait and see and what what's going to happen with the situation. Maybe if the uh, owners want to move to another city or if they manage to finally get their shovels in the ground for the new building or whatever. But I, I think it, everyone knows in the league and connected with the league and who's even a fan of the league probably knows the situation permanently untenable there with the way it is so we'll see what happens well i imagine doing this uh, is uh, fairly expensive but let's say money wasn't a question you won the lotto and uh, you could do this at your own free will whenever you wanted to is there a, a rink that you need to go back and revisit because the first time around you don't think you got the the uh, genuine normal fan experience and you got to give it another try yeah i mean edmonton really more than anything else um it was my first hockey game after the pandemic um you know, I went to the second last night's game of the year here in London and sat with 9,000 other people and didn't think anything too much of it. And then didn't go to another hockey game for a year and a half, which is unheard of for me. And then, ooh, you know, we were in Edmonton last October um, and I went to see a game on a Sunday afternoon there. Mm-hmm. And I don't remember what the announced attendance was, but it was I would be shocked if there was more than eight or 900 people there and I had a whole section to myself and and it was it felt really safe at a time that I was still kind of feeling a little scared to go to a hockey game but I know the Oil Kings can do better than that so someday I would like to go and come back and see that again and even if it's not the same experience as going to an Oilers game which I've also done uh I'm, I'm sure it gets better but I'd also like to go see um some of the older buildings again, like uh, they've been talking about replacing the uh, Sudbury arena, which was um, built in the fifth, early fifties here in the OHL. And I haven't been there since 2007. So I'd really like to see it one more time before it closes too. Well, I can tell you from uh, the Edmonton perspective and the, in fact, uh, it's very similar with Calgary um, playing junior hockey in an NHL rink like that. It does lose something for, from my perspective, at least going to watch them play you know, in Lethbridge or Red Deer or wherever it is, junior hockey in a junior hockey building is fantastic, and it loses something being in an NHL building like that where it's the half of it's empty. In your opinion, what would be the perfect size capacity for a for a junior hockey building? I think it depends on the market. Like here in London, we are building holds 9,000, and they sell it out most nights, and it works for us, but right. for a lot of places, that would be too large. 
um, depending on the size of the city and how popular the team is. I mean, you want the building to be, say, at least 75% sold every night and, and whatever the team can sell, I, I think that's pretty much perfect. Yeah, that's fair. That's fair. What works in London is not going to work in Swift Current and, and vice versa. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Uh, what do you got next uh, coming up, uh, Kevin? I uh, just booked flights today, actually, to go see the New York Islanders. I've been to uh, Nassau Coliseum, but uh, haven't been to the new rink there. Um, I think seven short to complete the NHL right now. It does change. Like the Phoenix Coyotes are now playing in their own junior rink. So I think I guess we'll have to go to that again at some point. But um, I, we are hoping uh, to, my friend Steve and I are hoping to get to Southern Alberta uh, later this winter. There's a couple dates we're looking at in February and March. Um which if I knock off uh, Lethbridge, Calgary, and Medicine Hat, that's three of the remaining that I need. And then uh, I'm hoping next fall to get the three in the U.S. knocked off as well. And then after that, it's just um, a couple of outliers. I still haven't been to Winnipeg or Saskatoon or Prince George or the new arena in uh, Gatineau, Quebec, even though I've been to the old one. They they opened a new one just uh, last year. Right. yeah, maybe within two to three years I'll have this done. And and, uh, if not, it's all been about the journey, and I'm enjoying it. without really having any, I've only really started thinking about the end uh, goal in the past year or so when it's actually started to seem possible to, to finish this off. I, you know, when I was 25, I never would have believed I'd, I'd be here. So, Well, Kevin, I've enjoyed it, man. I enjoyed the conversation and I enjoy the website. Uh, thanks for taking the time. I really appreciate it. All right. Thank you for having me. That was Kevin Jordan from the OHL Arena Guide and the WHL Arena Guide and the Q Arena Guide. He does all of that. And I'm kind of jealous, to be honest. I'd love to get around and see every rink in the CHL. I'm sure there are a few people who have at least seen, I don't know, half of them, maybe more than that. If you're one of them, let me know on Twitter. What's your favorite rink in the CHL? And let's say if you live in Peterborough, you're not allowed to say Peterborough. If you live in Victoria, you're not allowed to say Victoria. If you live in Moncton, you're not allowed to say Moncton. That'll get rid of the bias. Uh, let me know on Twitter, at TPS underscore Gee. What's the best rink in the CHL to go attend a game? Whether it's the atmosphere or the seating or the concourse or whatever it is. Maybe it's the big screen. Let me know. All right, that is going to do it for this week's episode of the show. Thanks to the three players that you heard from. All of them draft eligible this year. And Kevin at the end here taking us through uh, the CHL Arena Guide. Next week on the Pipeline Show, well, I don't want to jinx things because uh, the last couple of weeks I've been trying to get commissioners on from the BCHL and the AJHL, and it hasn't worked out, but we'll endeavor to do that again. And we didn't have a specific NCAA guest this week, so we'll have to talk some college hockey next week. Two of my guests this week are headed the college route, but we didn't get a play-by-play guy on or a coach or a media guy on this week either, so there's lots of options. Hey, you can always let me know on Twitter again at TPS underscore Gee if there's a guest you'd like me to get on. Feel free, fire me off a note. And a big shout-out to patrons at patreon.com slash Show. Those who have uh, been signing up had a bunch this week just because of the guests that were on. People wanted to hear those interviews right away. Didn't want to wait for a full episode to come out. So fans down in Maryland or fans in uh, Sherbrooke, they're able to tune in uh, early and days early and listen to the interviews with their favorite players. If that sounds like something you'd be up for, go to patreon.com slash Show. All right, I got to go. Enjoy the weekend, get out and watch some junior college hockey so that you and I can talk about it next week right here on another episode of the Pipeline Show brought to you by Wilhock Beef Jerky. My name is Keith Flaming. See ya! <laughs>